Thanks for joining me on Filtered Noise. I'm Vincent Giles, and as always, I'm joined by Bray Grimes. This is the podcast that broadly explores electronic music through the lens of our experiences as composers, performers, and producers. We won't try and sell you vitamins and fund everything ourselves. We are working towards getting an APRO license so that we can have more music on the podcast and then royalties will be paid appropriately. So if you like what we do and can financially support our work, please check out the link to our coffee account on our website, filterednoisecast.wordpress.com. This podcast is produced on the stolen lands of the peoples of the Kulin Nations and we pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty has never been ceded. Today's episode is our first one with a guest. We have mentioned her work in previous episodes and we're lucky enough to have Alison Wright, also known as No Compliments, join us for a chat about her work. Alison is a composer, producer, arranger, sound designer and trumpet player who currently resides in Amsterdam. There are numerous links in our show notes, and you can visit Alison's website at alisonwright.org. That's Alison with two L's. Thank you again to Alison for joining us from Amsterdam via Zoom, and we hope you enjoy this episode of Filtered Noise. Uh, oh yeah, what else is uh, making music are you doing in Amsterdam? Um, I've been working a lot with um, with my partner with um, the uh, well we, we were actually preparing for a European tour and then also wow. playing in the US with her band um, which I was the the code live director of so we've kind of been building this this infrastructure um, from my side it was primarily just data and um, managing um, building the instruments and uh, yeah well, with the data it's like um, we have this life uh, life of visuals that um, we don't have someone working with us in the live environment for I've got to basically pre-prepare triggers that um, that manage yeah the the, the projection element but then also we have our own light show which works the same way so it all has to come from um from my live instruments on stage so i'm just like st- i've been sending all of these midi messages and and dmx straight out from the instruments that i'm playing so i was building that very uh enthusiastically and also <laughs> making the programming the lights and getting ready to ship that on tour to new york in the first week of um when was that oh my god was it in April, we were supposed wow. to play a big festival here at Rewire Festival, and then the next day we were supposed to get on a plane and play in New York. Um, so we were pretty hectic going for that, and then we had to turn. Obviously, pandemic happened, and then we needed to redesign the um, the show to work online. So then we, I don't know if you if you saw, we did this twenty four hour long live stream. Yeah, I, I, saw that. I missed that. I missed that. I, I regret missing that. That sounds amazing. It was I really. Say, I can't say hectic. I watched all of it. No, that's fine. That's that's <laughs> not not a, a prerequisite at all. That uh, we, for, in order to do that, we, we tried to like translate the live show into into video, basically. So we took all because we had we were working with um, a, a few different um, video artists who had made these projection elements that we were we were going to have really big behind us while we were on stage in our stage design. But um, then we instead just filmed each one of us one at a time in front of a green screen and just basically tracked the record again, one by one. Um, and 
then superimposed us inside the videos of the of the of what the artists made, and then made these ten music videos that then we uh, we put in a twenty four hour live stream with us sitting on the couch, basically comparing and hosting this this weird show. It was holy work. Yeah. Like, <laughs> to use that phrase, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to like do something for twenty four hours straight like that, where you actually have to be. But it is. It's something else. It's. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. That sounds so hectic. Yeah, we had like two, like uh, one really big LED light in our faces, right? Because we were like working with proper cameras and stuff, so we had to have no shadows on their face. So you're sitting there for 24 hours with this like crazy LED light just beaming into your consciousness, which is just like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Like. Yeah. Well, like was the next 10 hours just sleep as well? <laughs> I, I remember after it finished. Like pack, we, because that was in your bedroom, right? No, we did it uh, just on this Sorry. couch in the background here. <laughs> That's it. We had, right. yeah, like it doesn't look like that when we did that. We had like, yeah, there was like five computer screens and like tripods and like hectic lights and stuff. But um, right. What, uh, but what, what what we learned so much about this was that fatigue comes in waves, right? It doesn't like mm. just. It's not like you like fine, 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 and then you you go through like I'm fine. Okay, now I've had like an hour of I feel I feel so tired. I feel like I'm gonna throw up. And then you come back to it and you think, oh, I'm fine, actually. This is why you get this adrenaline rush. And then you're kind of going through these waves. And what happened at the 24-hour mark is that I was almost like, yeah, let's keep going. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then Brecky had to be like, no, we're going to bed. And I think it was roughly 15 minutes after that that she, she, like, she went downstairs to, I don't know, go and do something and then came back upstairs and I had face planted in the couch and was just completely dead. <laughs> wow. Did, did you have to do any, like, endurance preparation or anything? I, I, I remember when I was doing my Masters, there was a couple of people that were really interested in, um, I can't remember what the word is, but, like, that long-form um theater and dance type stuff and and so they had to spend all this time physically preparing to be able to you know perform or stand still or whatever it happened to be for like seven mm. plus hours straight or 36 hours or whatever well, like marina abramovich like style yeah. static stuff and then so did you have to do anything did you have to prepare for that or did you just kind of go for it <laughs> <laughs> coffee, coffee we probably should, listening to you describe that i'm like wow that would have been a really smart idea but <laughs> we we were really making the videos like we were making the content of what mm. we were going to to um and organizing we, we also had like um interviews with people all around the world like these zoom calls where they would come in and be in the in the stream and I was building the infrastructure for this until like two in the morning, the night before oh. we even did this. So there was there was no time for preparation like that. I'd love to, though. Probably would have made it easier. <laughs> so how did you get through? I, I just imagine a lot of coffee and or illicit substances. I mean, yeah. Well, I, we we did consider um, yeah stimulants of, of some some description, but um, it is, we we did really want this to be a family friendly hour, and because um, yeah. because we really had to keep the the content to be. Uh, it's it's a funny thing because we were, we were trying to get this to be um, a suitable for prime time watching in three countries, right? So we have audience for this in Australia, 
audience in Holland, obviously, and audience in, in specifically East Coast, in, in East Coast America. So what was interesting about that is that we almost had to fully consider being in the vibe of, of three places at once, right? So I thought at one point, should I go and have a beer? Should I like relax? But then it's like also like morning in Australia. So it's, <laughs> I mean, you kind of have to like adjust the way that you are talking and, and the content, right? So that it kind of matches because when, when it was four in the morning for us, it was, what, what's maths? Four in the morning for us in America was um, 10, p.m. 10 p.m. in America. So it's like prime time online for them. And then for us, we're like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So you, I'm guessing you at least like stashed like Starburst and, <laughs> and Red Bulls around the like you know like the marathon runner has the cups of water that they throw themselves. Right. I'm just imagining like cans of like if you really want to go like and feel the Australian experience, mother mm. energy drink. Right, yeah, yeah. like heaps yeah, of yeah, yeah. and caffeine, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think at one point what was really sweet is the drummer in the band actually ordered us a pizza and then the pizza arrived at like, you know, some ungodly hour in the middle of the night. And <laughs> we, we were actually kind of freaked because the doorbell went off and it's like, who wants to, who wants to like be at your door at like four in the morning? <laughs> and it was, we were like, oh, but it ended up being this, this, this pizza that had absolutely everything of the restaurant offered on it. Like it was not just a pizza with the lot. It was like the pizza with the restaurant <laughs> on it, oh, really? <laughs> which, which kept us going for some time. That was, it was really sweet. That's amazing. Yeah. So tell me more about the, um, the more recent project, the trio that you have as well. Okay. Yeah. The, yeah. the, um, the extra media trio, which, yeah. Yeah. Chaos hands. This was a this was a group that started um, at the Eighth Blackbird summer um, summer lab that they put together that ensemble Eighth Blackbird. They uh, they ran um, I think it was a two and a half week artist residency kind of program similar to the Bang on a Can um, mm-hmm. summer festival, but in Ojai in California. So it was in this big like I think it was like a, a boarding school actually. So it was like we all had dorms and stuff, but then there was a uh, a lot of central areas for performance and like amphitheater and stuff. So it was summer. Apparently like Ellen DeGeneres has a house out there. It was really crazy. It was just wow. like snakes and scorpions and, you know, expansive wild, wild west kind of vibe. And Ellen. <laughs> yeah. Apparently and like Ellen. <laughs> yeah. That's, that sounds fantastic, yeah. amazing and also terrifying. I yeah, mean, I thought I was fine with snakes being Australian, but apparently yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> there was one blocking me from my dorm at one point. And I was like, not, not sleeping tonight. That's, that's cancelled. <laughs> no, I'm not doing you. it. I feel you. <laughs> but, yeah, so we met at this festival and we were, we were uh, before that, they usually just like sort you all into um, ensembles based on your instrumentation and um, what the, what the fellow composers had written. So you can usually like this, the, the prerequisite kind of ensembles are string quartet, some sort of like mixed winds thing. And then there'll be a mass ensemble. But um, when they read our profiles, so that was, that was my profile, Amy Zhang from um, America, who uh, is a, a video artist and uh, yeah, kind of more awesome. into film and, um, and Nicole Patrick, who's a drummer from, from uh, Queens in, in New York, um, when they read our profiles, though, they didn't know where to, where to put us. <laughs> we were too weird. We didn't really fit into, because it was really strings and woodwind heavy at this, and this thing. It's like, what do you do with trumpet, right? So they didn't really know what to do with me. And then with, with Nicole, they already had maybe six percussionists in the program already, and she's really into 
more of a kit player and and uh, doing lots of uh, collaborative kind of work. And then yeah, obviously like a video artist. It's like well, yeah. What do you do? What do you do at this kind of festival? So, thank like thanks to them, they uh, they had the the gut instinct to put us together and just to see what would happen. And just like oh. free reign, off you go. We'll give you like infinite resources, a place <laughs> to work, and lots of time. Blah blah blah. Go for it. And um, yeah, just as an experiment, is we all ended up getting along like a house on fire, and we made um, yeah we made a show there. We made like a, a fifteen and a half minute work there which was um called the emphasis has shifted which was a work all about um physical gestures of the hand so amy had made a a lot of videos of her hands and our hands moving around in in space and then that was all superimposed with a heap of recordings that i had made actually at mess in melbourne um using the bukla easel so it was like so nerdy (laughs) <laughs> it's all, this, all of these these recordings that I was just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just going to move patch cords around, you know, modular. Love it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I recorded everything and then brought it to them, and then we 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 ended up making yeah this work out of it, and we just loved it. So a year later, after that, that was that was in 2000. And, oh my god, that was in 2018. Mm-hmm. And a year later, in 2019, last year, we um, we managed to get some funding in Australia. To, to bring the group back together, put the band back together. <laughs> and uh, we did a little run of shows at um, the borough on uh, Brunswick Street. Oh, uh, that's, that's amazing, but also a bit sad because they've closed now. I know. It's <laughs> so sad. Those guys are legends. And, yeah. like, the, the history of that building as well and, like, what it was before. Yeah, also, yeah. It's just, ugh, <sighs> such um, a shame. Was there, a like, a... Uh, inspiration that um, made you think of hand gestures as a way of forming the piece of music. Um, I think it was it was just a, a happy sort of accident when we when we kind of were in that room together on the first day of that that festival. It was just that, that Amy had already been working with hands, and oh. she had developed quite a lot of. Um, she, we were talking about how there were certain universal gestures, right, of, of your hands that regardless of where you're from in the world, like. This, this means stop, obviously, and then like mm-hmm. there are there are like several uh, gestures that you can make that you can de-escalate a situation with, like you know, like the way people emphatically use their hands can really change the tone of a conversation, or just a, as a communication tool. It's it's really a, a universal kind of thing. I mean, aside from the fact that there's obviously an entire language of mm. you know, sign language, which is mm. we didn't really touch on that. This was more more about yeah, like this this universality of yeah, this kind of communication. But yeah, the second the second thing that we made was uh, in in 2019 was less about hands. There was there was only a oh, little yeah. bit yeah. to, the, to the hand um, history. That's an ironic um, gesture for a, like to compliment a hand. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hope so, that answers uh, your question. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. That did answer my question. Yeah. So. So. Um, sorry. Go, Joss. Alison, uh, um, I was just going to ask if. Because uh, this is a project I, I haven't heard of and maybe I should have done some Googling on your work uh, more than no compliments uh, <laughs> okay. prior. And I guess you're, you're, um, you play horn too, right? Is that... uh, mostly just trumpet. Trumpet. Um, like, okay. trumpet and like keyboards and stuff. Okay, cool. Um, and yeah, playing trumpet in homophonic, but, uh, and I'm sure you've done many, many other things that I have no idea about, but I should have done some research is what I'm saying. Anyway, 
uh, what's this project called again that Debray asked you about? Because I'd love to check it this out. This is Chaos Hands. Like C-H-A-O-S Hands. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Googling now. <laughs> yeah, you find that there's a, there's a little spot on my website where this lives and then there's also um, the – you can see the first work in its entirety, actually. I can link that to you. That's on, um, that's on Amy Zhang's um, YouTube channel. Awesome. Which, oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah I'd just love to check that out. Oh, yeah. I really should have looked at your website. Sorry, I'm going to do that right now and just have a quick read cool. so, I, so I'm not less of an ignorant idiot. If you want to find that YouTube, um, it's under Amy's um, artist name, which is Xuan, which is spelled X-U-A-N. X-U-A-N. Right. Look that up. Thank you. We um, do show notes for this too, just so you know, so we can mm -hmm. link and link and we'll do all that sort of stuff as well. Cool. Excellent. Um, um, sorry, Vince, it, you were going no, to say? I was not. Go for it. I was just coming. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Zoom. Uh, uh, like consume trope, tick off the, yeah. Anyway, um, I do have a question about um, no compliments to you released an album pretty early on in uh, like lockdown for most countries. Mm -hmm. um, like how do you feel about that as a, as a musician and as an artist who wants to promote their material quite regularly? Mm. Well, it was an odd time for performing, but a great time to be listening and like, like the audience was there and definitely wanted, I think, was consuming music and media faster than they probably ever have done in history. So there were, I mean, there's been lots of artists that have had had uh, release trajectories during this time that just decided not to. They're just as like, I'm not going to touch it with a 10-foot pole. There's no way I'm going to take that risk. Mm. Like even Lady Gaga totally just scrapped her release and then moved it for several months forward. But uh, yeah, Brecher and I were both on this like, this train on a track can't really get off now trajectory um, with our releases that um, well for, for me in any way it, it didn't really it didn't really matter to me actually because there wasn't so much of a live result yet for for mm. that um, for that record I was supposed to release it on um, with a culminating in a live show on red light radio I don't know if you guys know that group it's kind of like kind of like boiler room but Amsterdam based. Awesome. So it's, right. it's like a little room in Amsterdam in a little canal house and then a really distinctive um, visual of it. It's like, yeah, this little room with like band posters all over the wall and then there's a red light because it's in the red light district in Amsterdam. Mm. So awesome. they unfortunately had to close as well, which was just a bit like, oh, okay, <laughs> the end of the world is here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in, in terms of how that like affected... I don't really know. I don't know how that affected the release of the record, to be honest. I, I don't, and I think it would have been the same either way, to be honest. I'm, I'm relatively unknown here, anyway. <laughs> and um, in Melbourne, there's the people that I thought that were going to respond, responded. So, mm. Mm, that shrug emoji is kind yeah, of... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, lad. Um, so, I, I was wondering if you would indulge us a little bit with a somewhat, I know this is a bit of a fraught question, but I, I'd love to kind of come to understand as much as I can your creative process in relation to the No Compliments EP specifically. Um, I, I remember seeing on Instagram that you, you seem to work with Ableton Live. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I'd love to like 
It's nerdy of me, but I, I love to understand how people go about writing music formally, like the, how they conceive of formal structures, how they come around with um, even harmonic and melodic ideas, all, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and just anything that you kind of want to share to to go into the yeah the creative process around that EP, if you mm-hmm. if you can. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the first thing with that EP that's worth mentioning is that the songs are all four years old on our. Oh right, they're pretty old. It's like that comp catalog for me. It's, Interesting. Uh, it's it's stuff that I had actually performed under different names before I came to No Compliments, and then it got completely reworked and then packaged up again under this new identity and then put out. So. There are stuff that maybe I don't necessarily completely remember how I made it, sure, but um, I'll do my best. <laughs> Thank um, you. With, <laughs> with um, yeah, a lot of a lot of the more harmonic uh, based tracks, the ones that are less like textural beat, mm. you know, like aside from a track like "Okay," I didn't really sit down at the piano. There was mm-hmm. that wasn't really involved. Yeah, but um, <laughs> Pink Musk. And Obtusen really started at the piano in my share house in Coburg. So okay. that was mm. that that kind of uh, style of um, getting started. I didn't yeah. don't think I actually touched pen to paper for any of them. Is that true? I think um, so. I love the idea though of um, le- obviously you're a composer that's much broader than simply electronic music or just electronic music, but I love the idea of an electronic composer putting pen to paper. Uh, there's something really. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> It's, you know, it's so rare even for dots on paper composers to put pen to paper right. today. So uh, <laughs> I genuinely love yes, that. Yes, totally. I think the, like the, what I definitely did do was that, the, you know, like the Mac computers who got that notes application, mm. like that was, that's a mess. I, I don't know, maybe that's my version of that. That's <laughs> definitely a mess. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely do work with pen to paper with the with the stuff I've been making more recently. That's mm. not so much necessarily in like a um, you know dots on stave, but it was it, much more of a graphic kind of notation. If yeah. you were sketching something out before I start, but um, yeah, what else to tell about it? It was I was really at a time where I was so inspired by um, lounge music from Japan in the nineteen eighties. Wow. Like, that's- Amazingly specific. So into, uh, <laughs> if you know, you know, Yellow Magic Orchestra, right? Like, like I do, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the keyboardist, I mean, apart from Sakamoto, whatever, he's had his like time in the sun. But <laughs> uh, who else is who? Haruomi Hasono, the keyboard player. He uh, has had an absolutely prolific career as a producer, and hmm. ha- I think he's released like a hundred and something albums. It's just ridiculous. Whoa. And he, wow. He. Yeah, he, he collaborates a lot with this, um, this like, lounge uh, singer, uh, Mihari Koshi, who is also a complete artist by herself. Mm. But when they go together, they've, they've made these albums which everyone is, like, so different from, from the next. Like, the, this one in particular, which you should totally look up, is called Parallelism May by Mihari Koshi and Haruomi Hosono is the primary producer. That record has inspired me so much in, in, uh, in the compliments. For sure. Parallel yeah, is right. May, was it? Par- parallel. Sorry, parallel is May or Parallel is Me. Okay. However, I've never actually heard anyone say it out loud, so it could be <laughs> awesome. me. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll dig that out. That sounds amazing. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, Haruami is a very much like a kind of guy where there is a lot of recognisable structure of 80s pop, but then there's like instead of the snare being, I don't know, that Phil Collins gated thing, it's like a dog barking, you know. It's like <laughs> it's something else. But it still fits within this kind of lounge pop kind of aesthetic. But, wow. yeah, really, really interesting. So when I was when I was getting together... This this uh, this EP, this collection of songs, I was really listening to that, and then also just really obsessed with um, analog modeling VSCs, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, and one in particular, which is just like kind of like a, a great starting point, and I didn't really ever leave it. Was the the Analog Lab, which is the the collection of um, refaced um, since that uh, Arturius put together. It's really oh, yeah. good. It's, yeah. it's it's awesome. Is it is it modeling? So I've worked a lot with that. So that, yeah. that's analog modeling. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so there was that and then just, there was also just a lot of self-indulgence with nostalgia with the video games that from that era as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, Pink Musk for me really has that vibe. Uh, like I mm-hmm. I remember, I, I guess the it, when I first listened to it, I think you put it out as like a single, I guess, before the EP. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Um, when I first listened to it, I, I thought F Zero on Super Nintendo was the first. And mm-hmm. obviously, that's you know nearly a decade later than the eighties, but mm-hmm. um, it still had this a slower version, and like a slower, more relaxed kind of vibe that reminded me of that kind of world, um, which was awesome. Total nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you grow up? I, I I'm sorry, please forgive my ignorance. Did you grow up playing video games in the late early to mid nineties? Or even late 80s. Well, I mean, I, I'm 27, so I was, I was, you know, under 10 during that time. But right. I, I was very, very big on um, emulators when I was yeah. in my <laughs> teenage years, right? Perfect. So I kind of did like the, the go back. Um, so yeah, it's not it's not my history essentially, yeah. but it's a definitely a, a passion. Love but, it. Um, definitely the the yeah the late 90s, early 2000 games that don't really mm. get that much attention. But the, mm-hmm. the, the aesthetic of this, like, Y2K era is just so bizarre and awesome. I'm, <laughs> just so, I'm really into it. Like, the amount of racing games that came out during that time is just ridiculous. <laughs> it so it seemed to, like, oh. dominate the, the industry. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking, like, Ridge Racer and... Um, right. Uh, what was that arcade game that still exists? And I can't believe that it still exists. Uh, that starts with a B. Um, mm. Red. Was it one of the Daytonas? Daytona, like sorry, it doesn't start with a B at all. Yeah, Daytona. <laughs> Daytona, that's the one. Right. doesn't start with a B at all, yeah. Yeah, um, like every every time zone in Australia has a Daytona USA machine. For totally. sure. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, God, that takes me way back. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It takes me back as well to, like, I used to watch a lot of anime when I was a teenager. So I'm 35, and I, I mm-hmm. used to watch a lot of anime when I was like in my early to mid teens and the, that kind of aesthetic, I guess because Japan was such a um, you know, leader, I guess, in, in that sort of entertainment. Um, oh yeah. Kings yeah. of industry. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> I guess it's uh, not really surprising that the, the aesthetic is so for me, at least tied to Japanese um, pop culture, I guess, from, from that time. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of any specific examples, but it just it has that 
as you said, the late nineties, like Y2K aesthetic, it, it's a, it is a thing. And mm -hmm. uh, I love it. That's, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It just reminds me of like, you know, when you'd see these sprites in these games of like, the, I mean, the Tomb Raider one is the perfect one. Like what, mm. what shape is her body? You know, like it's like made up of like, like right angles, all of it. Cause like the graphics are just not there yet, but it's, it was just, it was kind of like, maybe video game impressionism, you know, <laughs> like it was that era of like, what is that exactly? But then you, you were almost so immersed in it because it was so, it required so much of your imagination in order to engage. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. Uh, this is so totally tangential, but I started playing Final Fantasy VII um, mm. uh, like two weeks ago on Switch. But, um, but it's the original, it's the original PlayStation version. And I forgot yep. how... I, I'm not a big games player anymore, but I forgot how far graphics have come. And Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> and it's just really fascinating to – there's a real um, – a really specific, like, PlayStation-era aesthetic of using pre-rendered backgrounds with the yes. polygonal sprites. Um, yes, superimposed on top like you had the resident evil series and um mm -hmm. final fantasy 7 and 8 and i guess nine and metal gear metal gear is another one yeah yeah amazing and it's like it exists for this like blip of time before computing mm -hmm. power got good enough to render everything and but it wasn't it was still the computer power was good enough that you didn't need 2d sprites on 2D backgrounds, like in the Super Nintendo and early right. PlayStation day. Anyway, totally tangent. Yep. Anyway, sorry, I just nostalgia, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I grew up. I, I wasn't a PlayStation household. I, we were in an Xbox household, which was, <laughs> which is <laughs> more of a more of an FPS uh, growing up. Yeah. I, I used to compete with Halo and Halo Two, and went before like before Xbox Live, you know, like we used to, my wow. mum was dropping off at Square and there would be this enormous LAN party. <laughs> so, <laughs> I yeah, I was just, I was like 12, 13, you know, and like yeah. there's these hundreds of, of, of boys and people much a little bit older than me as well. And like this was before the headsets, the whole mm. thing. It was just a real trip of a time. But I remember the, the, the first Halo also had that same like pre-rendered background mm. and um, yeah, like the, the, the semi 3D sprite on top of it. <laughs> this was very aesthetic. So I used to just love finding those edges of the game where you just end up with like you've broken the, <laughs> you know, you, you've broken the seal basically on the, the world that they, the room that they designed <laughs> And then you're like, wow, infinite space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me, of, um, I don't know if you watch Rick and Morty at all. Uh, it, oh, yeah. It reminds me of the episode where um, they're like trapped in a simulation inside a simulation. So, a simulation, when you get to mm -hmm. the edge of the world, it's like, oh, right, the whole thing breaks down, you know? <laughs> right. So yeah, good. totally. Um, yeah, awesome. That was, that was. That was great. That was a good time. Nostalgia fest. <laughs> so <No>. good. <laughs> um, so, so it was like the, the whole EP, sorry, to, to just get it back uh, to the EP a little bit. Were, nostalgia was a, was that something you were going for? Or was it a kind of incidental thing? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, no, no. Cool. That was like, I was like playing so hard into that. Like I want people to, to have the same, yeah, the same sort of uh, emotional reaction to this mm. that, that I'm trying to, you know, capture while I was writing it. Like it was really trying to go back to a very kid-like 
mm. a very open place. I used to make like predominantly chip tune under right. another name. And, um, that was, you know, that's if that, that is just like straight to the vein, you know, of, mm. of that kind of nostalgia, Absolutely. but I wanted this, I wanted this to have a bit more, yeah, a bit more, uh, a modern, uh, feel along with it as well. So yeah, it was definitely intentional. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So I remember the cosmic latte stuff that you were doing. That mm-hmm. was the chip tune stuff. And I, yeah. I loved it. I, I remember, I can't remember who I, I sent it to Alexander Yabsley, who runs um, a chiptune festival, Square Sounds. Is it Square Sounds? Oh, I love Square Sounds. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to say it's Square Sounds. I think I that's could be right. Wrong. No, yeah. no, it is. Yeah, yeah. No, that's Square that's, Sounds. That's what, oh, no, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure Alex, Alex Yabsley runs that, right? I don't know. I'm not sure. Anyway, I just I love work, the festival. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, work with, I work for Yamaha and um, Alex, I work with Alex. And mm-hmm. I showed him that and he was just like, you know, I run a chip tune festival, right? And oh I'm my just God. like, oh my. <laughs> I'm like, oh, rad. I just like this. And this is my friend. And you know, yeah. it was, it was cool. And then I, I was trying to explain like we're both trumpet players, but we probably never played to trumpet together. I don't think. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, both I'm not ended sure. up, no, we pretty much occupy exactly the opposite sort of space in terms of trumpet right. playing in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, but, we, you know, between us, we can get all the gigs, you know. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Watch out, everyone. Um, oh, except both... that I left, but yeah. yeah it's a long commute yeah. from Amsterdam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll be yeah. late to the first rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> rehearsal? <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck um, it. We get it right at the gig. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but how we both ended up taking on electronic music, as a pathway mm-hmm. and it's just mm-hmm. it's really coincidental and odd um mm-hmm. at times to see people who but i think it's part of the scene too like everyone's diversifying what they do yeah now. definitely and it's like not not that i don't enjoy playing trumpet but you know it it's um not got infinite possibilities like electronic stars <laughs> oh exactly you know <laughs> yeah. like that I, I think uh, you and I, I mean, yeah, there is obviously some age difference here, but that we were also mm. among a group of uh, particularly trumpet players who were diversifying before a lot of people necessarily were, you know, like. Yeah, that's true. I yeah. I mean, do you know, do you know Fabian Acuna, who was yeah, more Fabian. my age? Yeah. Fabian's yeah, done yeah. exactly the same thing, you know, like yeah. great trumpet player, but then it makes this crazy, uh, you know, bass heavy side trends kind of techno like it's Sick. and it's 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 amazing <laughs> yeah. it's so cool and um who else there's a bunch of us that were doing i mean even just like people like callum gaffrey as well like mm. totally mm. fingers in a billion pots yeah yeah absolutely and it seems like indomitable at whatever he does like he's that one right. person that's good at everything it's annoying <laughs> yeah and also so nice like mm. fuck that guy right yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he could take every gig from you and he wouldn't because he's such a nice guy and that's that's who Callum Gifford is anyway but yeah it's really yeah. weird I find that uh, maybe it's part of the industry too as well mm-hmm. it's just want to wanting to not 
be like I feel like it's easy to diversify the path when you just throw out the throw out the instrument that you're so accustomed to and you start mm-hmm. playing something like a modular synthesizer or right. fooling around with Ableton. What was your introduction though to electronic music? Did you play piano and then sort of Yeah, I was like one of those kids that that mum and dad were like, go and do that, it's good for your health. And so I like played piano at a young age, you know, but didn't necessarily continue. I think I did like maybe grade six or seven and then was like, no, <laughs> but you know, a great, a great tool, a great tool to have for, for this. But I think my, my gateway drug, if you like to, to this, this world was, I don't know, for some reason I downloaded FL studio, one of the oh, early versions of it classic. onto my, yeah, right. onto my computer. And I also, oh, no, way before that, remember when, like, games and shit used to come in the, the cereal box, like Nutrigrain and whatever? Like, you used to get, like, Age of Empires <laughs> yeah, yeah. and whatever? There was this, this like, made by, do you remember when Channel V was a thing? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so they, they made, like, a, a step sequencer and they, oh, they like, they put it in on, like, on a disc and then that came with my Nutrigrain one, one day. And um, <laughs> I must have been, I don't know, 14 or something. <laughs> But that left a last. I just remember being like, oh, yeah, food, you know, put it in like little grids and whatever. And I was like, hey, mom, I'm a DJ. Maybe maybe that was the beginning of it. Oh, that is an excellent origin story. Like, box the (laughs) new Oh, there's there's one, one. Yeah. I will never badmouth Kellogg's ever again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and the, the the one before that, I remember that maybe it's even earlier than that. That when when indeed my parents were like, "Go and learn piano; it's good for your health." They they weren't so into the idea of owning a piano, right? So, mm. for whatever reason, secondhand, they bought me a Casio, which was far further onto the onto the synthesizer side of the world than a, a modeling, you know, even sample based piano or something. So I, I was like, I had waveforms, you know, like as a little kid, and was just trying to do my scales and then I'm like, but wait, there's a sequencer. <laughs> I've got resonance knobs, you know, wow. way more than a kid should have. Like so distracted at my piano lessons, my poor piano teacher, just like, Oh, that, poor that is woman. so good. That is, <laughs> yeah. that is such a good way to corrupt a child into music. Like give them a mm-hmm. synthesizer. Like <laughs> that, there is a company that's just done this. I can't remember who it is. Maybe it's, yeah. it's it sounds like something teenage engineering would do, but I think that there's, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's, there's this like new teach your baby LFOs kind of like yeah. toy, which is like, looks like a Fisher price thing. And then you're like, you're moving around and like all your knobs and filter, filter wheels yeah. and shit. I remember Andrew Huang did a video with it. It's really oh like God, it is actually guy. designed, of course, right? But yeah. <laughs> it's like there's two things that get a mention every week, and it's Andrew Huang uh, and pre- pretty much you and Stockhouse. That's true. Like <laughs> seriously, <laughs> th- those are the three. Th- oh, and uh, and Zizek for a little while. So yeah, you really. really uh, Diverse and odd company. Sorry, Alice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love that. But uh, yeah, that's funny because like all of the, all of the influences that you've had have led to you making music that's quite nostalgic. And all of the influences that I'm hearing are things that I associate with nostalgia. So it's really no <laughs> surprise that a lot of your music like draws that energy out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, Pink Mask, when I first heard that, it, I felt like I was standing outside a tuck shop in summer with all my friends with the glitter filter, the home and away filter. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Waiting to buy Sprite. 
That's exactly yes. what I was thinking. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Or a pasito, right? Like, oh <laughs> my God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't even red know skins. Oh, God. Red those skins, things definitely. would destroy your face. Like, oh yeah. yeah, and your teeth. A whole yeah. generation. Wow. <laughs> they hurt. Like that was yeah. some chewy, chewy whatever it is. And, and a like a pretty much outdated name for a candy. <laughs> oh yeah, they should really do something yeah. about that. That's do, do they still exist? Yeah. I, I think yeah, so. They do. That's, yeah. yeah, that's very poor taste. <laughs> it is. It's, yeah. it's come. It's like, come on, guys. Yeah. It's twenty twenty. Yeah. I thought they yeah. like, stopped existing, like in two thousand and five or something. I, just, I guess I just hadn't walked into a milk bar for. You know, I think that because milk bars disappeared, yeah, that's so true. I mean the product is probably still there. There's a great yeah, one. Do you yeah. know in in North Melbourne? There's um, oh, fuck, there's this this cafe that's also a corner store, and it's an old 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 style milk bar, and they sell all of this confectionery. I think it's on like uh, it's actually really close to Mess, around, nice. around that sort of area. I don't oh. think I can remember what it's called. I need to make a trip to Mass at some stage. I've not yet been there. Shame on oh, me. Oh wow, it's like it's like uh, it's like Disneyland in there. Yeah, except I remember. like calm and quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the story. I don't know if it's a if it's mythology now. Maybe maybe you know um, that Robin Fox donated or at least loaned or something the a bunch of his collection to Mass. And that collection was the old La Trobuni music collection that he picked up off their hard rubbish lawn. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know how true that story is, but it's a, it's a bit of a, an urban legend. Um, There's so much folklore surrounding like, the library there. I've also heard <laughs> that um, Gautier, Wally de Bacca, also just, like, shoved a lot of his, his instruments there because he couldn't keep them all in his studio while he was touring. Interesting. Which is also interesting. Yeah. That's what, I that's... got so wealthy from somebody that I used to know and was just like, oh, here, have my, like, you know, Oberheims and <laughs> you, yeah, can, wow. you can just, wow. like, take care of it. Yeah. Um, it's also awesome how true that is. No, it's also, like, just a, an aside thing. I, the Latrobe Library music collection still exists. They haven't got rid of it. And, mm. like, they have some really weird, hard-to-find scores and, you know, Jeff Pressing's books and stuff. It's rad. Cool. Um, Alison, would you again humor me if you don't mind with some uh, technical stuff? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a tech sure. nerd. You're talking about the project across three cities live streamed, and um, it sounded like an amazing technical setup. What were your tools, and what was the kind of process? Hang on, one more time. You you broke up a little bit. Oh, sorry. Um, with the the thing that was meant to be in New York that ended up being a live stream. Yeah. Um, what were some of the tools that you used to facilitate all of that, like, amazing oh, sound? I love this, this conversation. Yeah. I, I love to, um, to know all about it. Well, what I can say is that I made a two-part tutorial on how to live stream based nice. on the work that I did for this, which is on my YouTube channel. Awesome. But, um, but, yeah, I guess the magic behind doing what we did there was that um, the – the the main content was these pre-recorded music videos, right? So mm -hmm. when we when we uh, first went into the lockdown here, we had really different laws to you guys. Mm -hmm. um, we were allowed to have a certain number of people in our house, um, but 
we maybe sort of broke the rules a little bit because we needed a cameraman as well as our drummer. <laughs> and we also need someone to help us with the with the, the lighting because we had um, we were trying to do a full chroma key green screen in our bedroom. Oh, so, wow. I guess, and there was a rule. Okay. No, we had... Yeah, we had we were allowed to have three additional guests, and we we had exactly three additional guests, but we were very much not keeping one and a half meters apart. But don't tell the Dutch <laughs> government, anyway. Um, so we 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 hired this. Uh, yeah, I guess it was like eleven meters long or something. This 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 green green screen, and then we also bought another green screen to be behind. So we had floor and and the and the wall, mm-hmm. and then um, yeah, one really crazy great camera. Um, and then, yeah, we, the, the real magic of that, how that actually managed to work was that Brechia managed to come up with a cue sheet in which everyone was filmed recording their parts um, and it completely tracked the album one by one. So we didn't just have like one shot of, of a musician, right, and then they just tracked the whole song. It was like, no, play bars one to nine um, from the front and then we're going to change to an overhead shot with um, with, a, with, a, with aerial. Uh, what was it called? For the, the the camera thing that does the bird's eye view. A jig. A jig. A jib. Jib. Jig. Jig. Jib. Jib. Yeah. Jib. <laughs> and so th- and that took like five minutes to set up, you know. So then wow. we had to have all of the bird's eye shots there, and because we, we were tracking the album at the same time, right? Yeah, so yeah. it was oh, this massive jigsaw because we couldn't all be in the same room together at once. Anyway, so that was all edited in Premiere Pro, yep. or I think, on a Final Cut Pro. Final Cut. And, um, yeah, and then what we did for the stream was we use open broadcaster software, which is just free. Mm-hmm. It's um, just a way of getting all of your sources. It kind of looks a little bit like QLab if you've ever used that. So mm. it's just like, a, like a, a run sheet of events and you can bring in your camera source and um, media sources that way. Yeah. And, um yeah, then we played the videos and then had Zoom calls where I, I also put Zoom in the in OBS with wow. some with do you know do you know loopback like, like yeah. aggregate sound routing on the inside yeah, so I was yeah. doing that oh, um, as well as yeah it was a complete technical nightmare <laughs> um, and then we were we were multi streaming so we were we were simulcasting to five places at once when we that were doing this is really mind blowing. That's <laughs> so cool. OBS is amazing, isn't it? Like it's, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's kind of steep learning curve. Like it's, yeah, it's yeah. not, not intuitive <laughs> at all. No, it, it, yeah. I, I was lucky that I had already used it a bit when I was, um, still involved with dots and loops festival. I, right. I was, uh, live streaming the performances for oh, cool. our, um, our festival. Uh, in the year before. Yeah. So I had already done that initial learning curve. And a lot of people on my friends list um, were exposed to me kind of testing things and getting ready for the stream because I started like broadcasting um, what I call Windy Plant for like <laughs> a week before I started, which was just like me setting up a variety of pot plants with a fan on it and then just live streaming that for several hours and collecting like the data of like the bandwidth speed and frame rates drop and, you know, all this sort of stuff. Wow, that's that's a real like research project there, like to to get prepared for it. That's amazing. Yeah, it was it was fun. Yeah. Again, diversifying your practice again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. I tried. It's so, funny. Like at the moment, I'm looking for like a side job because we don't have any gigs, right? And so I'm like, I'm, I had this had this moment where I like, I have to write a CV 
but I have no idea what to put on it. I have mm. no idea what's relevant anymore. So I have like five different resumes depending on where, you know, where I'm trying to go, which is like ultimately frustrating and mm. just, you know, my own fault. <laughs> I don't envy you, although I kind of do at the same time. But writing CVs sucks. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, it sucks. <laughs> That's a, that, good luck, I guess, um, with, yeah. with that. It would be sweet. Yeah. yeah. All, all, <laughs> you've got, like, so many amazing strings to your bow and, like, it's so indicative of the arts industry that it's the hardest thing to write right. as a CV. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's, that's unreal. Every time I've looked for a, a job in, the, like, the last five years, it's ended in no interest whatsoever, and that's fine. Yeah. I, I just feel like I don't know how to write a CV. Like, I haven't done it properly. I haven't applied for a job properly since, like, 2006 or something ridiculous like that like yeah uh, so I, life. <laughs> yeah yeah well I, that or i've just walked into stuff like right because someone's recommended you and then yeah. you just you, you get it that way word and of mouth thing exactly and then you might have to do some formal shit but you've already got the job so it's just like doing a formal mm-hmm. thing and so yeah. i just I I'm, yeah. yeah sorry you go 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 I remember when I left Anam and I was like, okay, fuck what now? Um, and I tried to get, I tried to get some jobs and stuff and then nothing came up for a, a, a few months. And like I was trying to do like, like casual gigs and stuff on the side, but not enough to pay the rent. You know? mm. So I, um, I ended up on the dole. So I nice. ended up trying like a lot of people do. And uh, for the job seeker appointments, it was just so like, I felt like I was visiting an alternate dimension or something. So I'd be sitting in this, this, this office and this woman would be like, so why don't you look for work with the things that you're trained in? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, then you know, we have this conversation. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, cause I'm not, you know, I'm not trying. She's like, well, you, 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 you play the trumpet. So is there jobs where you can play the trumpet? And I'm like, well, are there? This is your job, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Tell me. laughs> oh my gosh. Thanks, Centrelink. Oh, yeah, cheers, mate. <laughs> awesome. God. That sounds so demoralizing, though. Fuck. Like, mm-hmm. like Anam is the the fucking top tier in Australia, right? Like, for instrumental stuff and of, I, I guess, broadly speaking, art music, right? Mm-hmm. And to walk out of that and then go to Centrelink and be question like that would just feel so fucking horrendous i imagine it was it was a really interesting interesting thing and it still is like with that with the anam thing like whenever i put it on a cv because it's not a degree right it's it's Mm. it's not anything it's just like i went to this place and i was there six days a week and for like most of my life this was all i did they're like but what did you do though like what did you get out of it yeah and i'm like well a wealth of i don't know experience and they're like great great there's no drop down menu for that you know i can't i can't put it i'll put it anywhere <laughs> there's no numeric value for it right so no it's and, and in that way it becomes like i i often put it down when people ask me what my education experience is and i'm like well um yeah i i guess this could kind of sound like i'm making it up really because <laughs> it's 
Yeah, <laughs> they're not even they're not even registered as as an educational institution at the tertiary level. Really, it's, I didn't it's know just that. bizarre. That's really interesting. No, that it, it's it's a it's a professional performance program, right? So it's yeah. kind of like an extended summer camp. Yeah, <laughs> that's an interesting way of it. They, they do have a master's, like, in conjunction with someone, don't they, like Griffith or something? Yeah, with Griffith, yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah, I wasn't doing that one, though. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. They're, they're just a – not just, though, they're amazing. It's like, anyway, whatever. Yeah. Um, wow. Like, love Anam, but, like, that would be really great if they could, like, get that to be recognised. Mm. I think maybe that's – that's that's something that they are working toward because it looks like they're trying to make their program to align more with the traditional bachelor in a way. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I, think, I, think, I yeah. think people go like from a degree into ANAM as well and get, to right. get that experience, which is it, it almost seems counterintuitive because they, they go into ANAM and they're already promising players by all accounts and they've got a bachelor and then they spend another two years which doesn't get them like it gets them a long way in mm-hmm. terms of the performance side of things, but in terms yeah. of like the career side of things, it's a little, it's undersalted. I think when, when I was there, I'm really just derailing this, this conversation into talk about Anam, but I'll, I'll keep it short. But when, when I was there, they were very much thinking about the program as a, a finishing school. And I think yeah, that, right. you know, it was a place where you had, it was kind of like a postgrad without the postgrad that you would go there mm-hmm. and you would just, it was like kind of the, the last run and sprint and jump before you would enter uh, your own practice, which was very much self-directed. And, you know, like the people that I was there with when I was, when I went through that, that program were people that majority had their own records out or they were running their wow. own uh, series of things. And I think it's a very different place now. And I think from, from what I see, they're trying to become more of a preparatory school yeah, rather right. than the other end of it. So Interesting. Yeah. So, did you do a music degree before? I, I performed, right? or did, no, did you go straight from high school to Anna or something like that? Not exactly. I did. Um, I did first year at, of my music, uh, my bachelor at uh, Melbourne University, and mm-hmm. then at the end of my first year is when there was the mass exodus from oh, yeah. um, Melbourne University when they brought in the Melbourne model and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of the a lot of our, our teachers, like my teacher in particular, Tristan, Tristan Williams, was was fired. You know, and that it, it was within within weeks that um, that Paul Dean at the time at Annan were like were like just scrambling to be like we've got this amazing pool of teachers right now, and there's just nowhere for them to go. So mm. they started this this ad hoc program at Annan, and we were just I, we were just lucky enough to to kind of be around for the first rounds of auditions, you know, as they were kind of like a sticks and shambles kind of operation. It yeah. was, it was a real, real uh, grassroots from the, from the ground up kind of way of going about the program. That's amazing. What, what a, again, what an origin story. Like, <laughs> that's weird, huh? <laughs> I love that's it. It's also weird to try and explain on a CV. They're like, hang on, so you didn't, you didn't, so you went to university and then you left to do this thing that doesn't have a name and then you came back to university? Like, because yeah. I ended up going back, right? And I, I just, I finished this three years at Anam and then I was back with 19 year olds again. It was, oh it was just like, <laughs> wow. That is, that, so you finished at Melbourne eventually? Yeah, I ended up doing it sort of, um, sort of part time while I was mm. doing quite a lot of freelance 
freelance work with orchestras and stuff and yeah, um, awesome. managed to finish it in 2015, I think. Wow. I didn't That's go to my graduation, not... but... Yeah, I haven't been to a single graduation. No regrets. I haven't, yeah. No. <laughs> you can throw a hat any day, right? Like, where do you need someone to tell you when to do it? Totally. Plus yeah, I'd exactly. Like to, I want to wear a cape every day, not just a graduation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you shouldn't have to pay that much for it either. It's such bullshit. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, that's wild. What an origin story. I love it. And um, where, does the, where does the electronic music fit into that? Like, when do you start, uh, like, recording things, tinkering around? Like, I know you tinkered around earlier on, but, like, when was, like, the, the decision to, be like, maybe I'll make a go at doing doing something with this? Mm. Um, well, at Anam, I was – I think I started taking commissions as a sound designer while I was still at Anam in my second year. So I started – I sort of fell into a circuit of people that were asking for bespoke music for podcasts and for, like, radio and stuff wow. like that. So. I ended up doing the, well, the Anam podcast theme, the Melbourne Youth Orchestra podcast theme and the Australian Youth Orchestra podcast theme because, like, the people, the fingers that you have in pots, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, but then to make, like, tracks and start playing live wasn't 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 until later. I, yeah. I After Anam was when I, I found a friend that wanted to play some music with me live and then we started... Mixed Emotions, which was my name, sort of midway between Cosmic Latte and <laughs> No Crosswords. I love these names. It's so good. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. But, um, yeah, I guess that would have been about 2000 and 2014, 2015. Yeah. Wow. Right. So good. So, yeah, um, amazing. Obviously, you're, you're not in Melbourne now. Um, is there... Look, let's be honest, our listenership is like 19 people a week at the moment, so uh, that's, <laughs> if we're lucky. Um, so no, hi, there's no. three of us here, Giles, so it's 20. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm definitely yeah. going to listen. Yeah. <laughs> listen to us ramble for, for hours on end. Um, is there any, like, this is a terribly tacky question, I apologise in advance, is there any advice you would give to people on the Melbourne scene about doing stuff electronically or, or, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. obviously lockdown notwithstanding, but under uh, non-lockdown circumstances, would you, any advice you'd give for people diving into electronic music maybe for the first time or if they're studying mm -hmm. music production or that kind of thing, anything that you, any words of wisdom that you might impart? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, probably the same things that everyone will tell you is just <laughs> grab the free version of Ableton on their website or, you know, Logic, if you can afford it, or even GarageBand. I know plenty of people that make amazing shit in GarageBand. Don't mm. be, uh, you know, don't be locked out of it because of the paywall. There's so many ways to just get started without, totally. without you know, dumping your money into it. Yeah. Buy a MIDI keyboard. Um, watch all the tutorials. There is one thing you can always count on is that there is someone both stupider and more intelligent than you on YouTube. So you will find you will find the information you're looking for. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah, um, I had a follow up question to that and it slipped my mind. Um, shit, never mind. <laughs> That's awesome advice. <laughs> I hope so. I think that yeah. the other thing for like for people who are already conservatory trained and then feel like the absolute fear of going into something like this, it can be quite cathartic because if you're someone who is 
completely obsessed with perfection to just go mm. and make something shit and be a bit, you know, silly about it is just kind of a form of self-therapy. Yeah. Yeah. I like, think don't it was worry a, about being good yet. Yeah. yeah. It was a real gateway into uh, not feeling shit about what I made as well because of like, because of modular and because mm. of things like that. Mm. I was just like, it felt good to take off all the, the classical training and all the weight of like a tertiary education and just be like, I really don't know what I'm doing (laughs) (laughs) and and then start patching and making things. And you go, Oh, that kind of sounds cool. Like there's something really accessible about this kind of music in the fact that there is Mm -hmm. a sense of play that's, that's built back into it. Like when it becomes a job, it's really, you know, when practice becomes a job, it's really, uh, it's a real chore and a real pain in the ass. But when it's so fun and so therapeutic and so cathartic, like you say, mm-hmm. it's it's not it 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 becomes craft and not work, you know? Yeah, like playground. It's like mm. a, a de stressor, which is yeah. I think there's something for people like instrumentalists who are trying to get into this, is just finding a way that maybe is hands on, like what you're saying, like, like Yeah when they start with just in the box with product kind of way of production, it can feel like you're, you're like a hundred million miles away from doing a single basic thing, you know? Mm. Um, but if you can limit yourself to maybe, you know, a few instruments and a few effects and get yourself a nice keyboard and map some knobs and just play, it's you know, a bit of a different experience. Do you, do you find More that it's, familiar one. yeah. Do you, do you find like coming from an instrumental background, do you find the immediacy of hardware, rewarding as well rather oh, definitely. than working with a computer right like when you're i mean when you're composing music for an ensemble or something you've got to wait a really fucking long time <laughs> until you hear it <laughs> and then true. even so then true. it might still not be what you wrote yeah. you know but i think there's that like cut to the end that it uh thing about production which is just like you are going to get like the result that you're looking for fairly quickly Mm. and then it's up to you to really hone that and yeah that immediacy is like a it's like a drug (laughs) (laughs) that's that's so true that is so true it's really i i don't know about either of you but i I find it really hard to actually it's probably i shouldn't admit i guess but i find it really hard to spend prolonged periods of time working on anything electronic because of that immediacy. Whereas, mm-hmm. if, whereas if I'm sitting down, you know, writing, not that I've done it for years, but writing an instrumental piece, I will mm-hmm. happily spend six to 12 months on a single, like eight to 12 minute piece right. and not ever hear it, you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. or, or not hear right. it for years. And yeah, I like, guess that's sort of the, the dangerous side of, of this coin is that you can uh, skip the imagination step if you're not careful. Mm. It can be become really about just that, like straight out of the hands and then into the speakers thing, which is yeah. kind of not good because if you if you lose that, then you really have to go back maybe to the pen and paper and say, what am I actually trying to do? Rather than just being like, I am here with my toys. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know? that's very true. Yeah. That too, too immediate in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, I don't know, just, no, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've had a long day, so I'm, I'm, I f- please forgive my, you uh, know. No, you're points. doing great. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So just, just with like, usually with the end of the podcast, we just 
um, to, we sometimes talk about what we've been listening to that week. Mm-hmm. Is there something that's caught your ears this week? Oh, that's a good question. Yes, there has been. I mean, yes, I have a playlist for this. <laughs> have you guys ever had like a, a, a time in your life where you've devoted time to listening to um, One Oh Tricks Point Never? No. Do you know this guy? No. <laughs> no. This is kind of like the tail end of vaporwave sensibility, I guess. Yes. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, he's he's a freaking this this guy is prolific in what, all the stuff that he's made. There's a ridiculous amount of albums, but this one in particular was made using. I mean, this is the nostalgia thing again for me, but it was mm. like using computer sounds and office sounds and uh, like the the general MIDI pack that you got in the early 2000s with standard with most computers. Yeah, right. Like this is completely me. When I first heard this record, I was like, oh my god, but. Uh, you, you should really check out. It's called R Plus 7 uh, by 103 Never, this record. And one track in particular that I absolutely love is uh, it's called Chrome Country. Chrome Country. Mm-hmm. And it's like a heap of, uh, yeah, that you plug in straight into maybe a keyboard that's got choir samples using that general MIDI pack. And they're just like, amazing. Oh. You know, these kinds of sounds and <laughs> making full full choir and cinematic choir. And it, it, it's it's something that uses materials that sound so tacky in mm. in a way, but the album is so deep and very emotional and just, yeah, I highly recommend it. That's awesome. It sounds like it treads that, like, line of kitsch really mm-hmm. finely. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculously meaningful despite using stuff that, like, isolated, you'd be like... <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. I kind of love, I kind of love like really lo-fi records like that a lot, mm-hmm. especially, um, have you ever heard Adam Benjamin's, I want to say it's a mad, 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 mad world. No, I mean, I know the, I know the reference, but, um, I don't know his work. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. He, so he, it's just it's, uh, a piano player who uses garage band and records a whole bunch of jazz standards, but in really interesting ways. And some of them are Whoa, like purposefully okay. tacky, um, but some of mm-hmm. them are genuinely disguise the any reference to the melody, and then right at the end yeah. it'll be like the the horn section sounding garage band playing the tail, tail out of satin doll or something like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, epic. I, yeah, I just I just love the the whole you know kitschiness of it and the lo-fi aspect. Like you know they're just people who would have diversified in the same way and mm-hmm. then they've just gone, well, I'm really good at jazz piano. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, just, right, right. Yeah, loaded up garage band. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another person that does that super well, I'm just trying to make sure I get his, his name right, but do you know the guy The guy that does the one-minute jazz lessons? Yeah, Jacob on, Mann. Yeah, Jacob Mann. Like him and his, uh, yeah. his big band. Yeah. They're just like tongue-in-cheek with that kind of playing around with tradition, but then also recording things on what sounds like a potato and then just releasing it. <laughs> you know, I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. One minute jazz lessons. If you haven't checked it out, Vince is hilarious. Oh my God. Um, it's so good. I will. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is at all related. It reminds me of um, just the talk about it. reminds me of H John Benjamin's album. Uh, I should have learned to play guitar uh, jazz what is it called um right it, it, do you know who, it's the guy that voices archer 
and um, oh, I love that voice though. He's yeah, awesome. and he's in um, that TV Bob's show. Burgers. Yeah, Bob's Burgers. He's also Bob, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he did this album where he doesn't play piano at all, but he like mm-hmm. booked a bunch of session musicians to record a jazz album and told them absolutely nothing about it. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's called Jazz Daredevil or something. And uh, so oh, he goes yeah. in there and. Um, it's like they're like so what are we playing he's like oh you know just just play so they they start playing and it's all recorded right. he's just like beep, boop, 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 doo, boop, doo. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing oh, wow. <laughs> I that's an that is okay. that, but, uh, reminding me of it that's that's awesome yeah, yeah that's just more like the idea is king rather than the the execution it's totally. just, just that's so funny <laughs> absolutely mm-hmm. that's incredible um, what about you, Vince? What have you been listening to this week? Uh, student works and lots of them. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not going to answer that question this week. Uh, yeah. That's, that's um, been very marky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can, I can appreciate how in, in like, I would not do that. That's all I'm going to say about that. There's no way you could get me to mark another student. I just find it so irky. Oh, I, I love it. This was all master students, which was kind of nice, but um, okay. So, but yeah, it was. It's like I haven't had the headspace to listen to stuff for enjoyment, really. Um, I did listen to yeah. to no no compliments on the drive to get get my dog on Wednesday night. So I love this story as well. I just really think that's a really fitting uh, like thing to do while listening to this record as well. It's just <laughs> that's great. That's great. <laughs> She loved it. Yeah. She she was like in, in the car on the way back. She was like chilling on the seat. You know? Yeah, it's popular with dogs. I love that. That's <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. What was your Shiba Inu's name? Yuki. He's still he's Yuki. still alive and kicking. He's just living in Melbourne. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, so oh, sad. No. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I did make that sound like yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. Like, yeah, I love the you. He was referenced so much in the Cosmic Latte stuff. Yeah, like he's had little yeah. sprites of him. Oh, that's adorable. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> my dogs are a huge dogs are a huge uh, motivating force in my life. <laughs> do Do you yeah. presently have a dog? Or is... next weekend I'm getting a puppy. Oh. It's it's so it's so close. My partner and I, Brecky, are getting a, a puppy, and uh, it's our awesome. dream dog. So. We're very happy. That is so What good. dog is it? It's a, a Swiss Shepherd. It's like I a German don't... Shepherd, but white. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. They, oh, like, lived on the, the, the Swiss, you know, Alps and stuff. They're, like, very cool dogs. They're working dogs, yeah? Like... Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. I, I have, a like, a passion for working dogs, particularly Australian cattle dogs. Love them. Yes. Adam, yeah, and, and there's that there's that cattle dog rescue service that's amazing. Oh yeah, Australia. yeah. Um, Australian working dog rescue. Audrey. Hey, Bray, isn't your family like responsible for a breed of dog? Yeah, yeah the cattle dog, the Australian cattle dog. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. apt. Yeah, yeah. So my <laughs> the 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 Bagist family, which is my father's mother's side goes back mm-hmm. to Nimbin, Nimbin in Queensland. Um, awesome. if, you, if you don't know what Nimbin is, then... Or 20. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah look, look into it. Um, <laughs> yeah, look them up at 20 past four on the afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. you find them. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but yeah, they bred the cattle dog in, in Nimbin, which the the story is quite horrific, like in terms of how they actually got the result, but the result is pretty spectacular. Those dogs are amazing and loyal. Um, Vince's dog Scout is a cattle dog of some breed. Uh, she's a, she's mm-hmm. a Kelpie. Um, yeah, Kelpie. That. We think so she's a pure energy. Kelpie. Yeah, God, yes. <laughs> so much yeah. So, so three walks a day or like how, how are you mediating that? With a lot of play, actually. A lot of a lot of rope, a lot of flirt pole, mm-hmm. um, daycare so that she can run around with dogs and pretend to hurt them. Like... It's, right, right. it's a Natural. lot of, yeah, it's a lot of, um, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> hey, can yeah. I put in like just a ridiculous segue here that I feel like I just must because we're talking about dogs and also music that I'm not <laughs> oh, sure geez. if you're aware that Brecht here wrote a piece for dogs. No. With the chamber orchestra and two like piano playing oh, dogs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because dogs have um, perfect pitch. <laughs> what? This Maybe this is your on. next episode. <laughs> yeah, can we get Brecchia on? That would be sick. Uh, yeah, do you like now or <laughs> for a whole episode? Oh, like, no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> you should, you should really, you should really have a look at this. It's, uh, it's called um, "When Howling Doesn't Work," and it's uh, by Brecchia Van Dyke. I can send you the spelling of her name because it's we've been together for some years, and I still can't really say her name correctly. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, that please do send it. That sounds amazing. And um mm-hmm. if if you don't mind passing on contact details, we'd love to chat to her. Yeah, at some of course. Stage. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Um because uh, if I'm not mistaken, so my, my boss is Josh Kyle. Um I don't know if you oh, yeah. you know Josh um mentioned that Brahia, forgive my pronunciation, was was singing with Invenio or something here in Melbourne. Yeah, so we, I uh, did a concert as a part of my old concert series, which was called Camavolk, and um, oh, right. we invited we invited the Invenio singers, um, and uh, I we did uh, how did that work again? So I did an arrangement which involved of a, of a piece by Björk, which also involved Brechia and um, some members of Invenio. Uh, which was Gian Slater and Georgia Davidis at mm-hmm. the time. And then they also did their own set. And then they also, so Georgie and Gian also sang in a, in a, uh, a work of Brechia's, which was awesome. Last Cycle. It was all in the one concert. And then, yeah, I think Brechia, did you do other things with Invenio after, after that gig? Um, yeah, I sang with them. Yeah, there was a. She did. She did some singing with them after yeah. that, while she was still living in Australia before we came yeah, here. Yeah, that's awesome. Because Josh mentioned um, Beck Plexus. Is that that's Brachia? Yeah, Beck that's a, that's her artist name. But yeah. she uh, kind of uh, westernized her name for the rest of us. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, Josh mentioned um, Beck Plexus when that album came out. So it'd be awesome to chat mm-hmm. about that um, in in the future. I'm sure she'd love to. That would be great. I, oh, this is so exciting. I love it. This is this is genuinely one of the nicest music conversations I've had in a long time. So thank you. Uh, Let's have yeah. more of them then. There's so yes. much. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think eventually this podcast is just going to be the the us two Giles and all of our listeners and guests in a Zoom call. Yes. <laughs> and starting yeah, yeah. what is that what's that called again? Discord. Uh, yeah. do you, have you ever used that? What I kind have. of Discord I community? Used that, yeah. That's actually a really oh. good idea. I've got, I installed Discord and started using it for nothing. Um mm-hmm. 
That's, that's a really good idea. That's yeah, if you want to have more of that community yes. thing going on. Get the, yeah. Well, Brechia Backplex is saying to me, whispered now, she's already started a Discord community. Wow. Which is also kind of cool. Maybe we could... Uh, oh, hang on now. She's also making signs at me. It's a it's a Patreon thing. Oh, cool, right. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's a whole other world. That's a, that's a whole thing. People people have to Discord like communities through Patreon access, right? Like... Yeah, it's like paywall community thing. Yeah. I, I think it. she's very cheap, though. I think she's just only a couple of dollars. Love it. Um, awesome. Link it. Link us links up. In, links in the description. Yeah, I'll drop the <laughs> yeah, yeah. link. Link in here. Link in bio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Click That's here, it. you know, in, at this light. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then it's actually on the other side. And you just yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I love it when that happens. Especially, like, yeah. if they don't know about the thing up there and they just mm -hmm. say, I'm going to put it, like, right here, or they point yeah. to, like, a, a totally inappropriate place on the computer. I love that. Was, That's... I there's just love to see, you know, how like there's there's a bunch of bands and stuff that are making uh, music videos using Zoom, right? That like yeah. they're all like, oh, here I am playing, and then there's someone like Brady Bunch over here playing their instrument. <laughs> I would love to see one where it's like a compilation of people ten years older than us using Zoom for the first time, like the first five seconds of like, <laughs> can you <laughs> like this? Is this thing on? You know, I'd love to see that as a as a way to start. And, and as the like after the peak of the song, it has to be like all the log off faces, like the yeah, people are just like the side of the face, you know, like where's the where's the yeah. button, you know? <laughs> I love it. Where did Zoom even come from? Like I thought it was all Skype, all Skype. It's like, did they actually start the coronavirus? Like, did, is this is this a massive <laughs> that conspiracy? That is an excellent conspiracy theory. <laughs> they've, yeah. they've profited immensely, like. Right. And yeah. did you hear that that story of um, the kids that use Zoom to hack? Hack into the the setting like it was a sitting of Congress. No, it's just this crazy oh story because like the security on on this this software is not very good, right? Like yeah. it's quite notorious. And um, the, there was a bunch of teenagers that managed to hack into a Zoom call in Congress. Wow! It's, and then they were just like you know messing wow. around in the chat and stuff. Just just re-enabling the waiting room now that you say that. <laughs> wow. And the, the thing is, there's there's oh, well. easily a good chance that three the rhetoric from three teenage boys is going to still be better than what's getting put out by politicians in right. Congress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Unreal. Yes. Um, Alison, I, I need to get going, unfortunately. But do you have any other listening recommendations just before we sign off? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I'm just, I've got this playlist that I have on Spotify specifically for this. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I've been listening to yeah a lot of 102 Tricks. That's been the biggest thing like uh, lately that's really pushed me to be like, holy shit. But then mm -hmm. also there's this producer that's just come to my attention called Vegyn. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's V-E-G-Y-N. Um, it's kind of more in a hip hop LA um, producer sort of style, big room you know, boom, bappy mm -hmm. uh, production. But uh, very, very cool. And the track that I would recommend is Blue Verb by Vegine. Nice. Track number one on uh, Only Diamonds Cut Diamonds. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I think I this guy got discovered when he was a co-producer on Frank Ocean's record. I, I don't really remember. Oh. I'm hoping I'm not, not getting that completely wrong. But, yeah, he's young. He's very talented and it's a cool track. 
Yeah. After you... writing it down, it does look like an alternative spelling of vegan. It does. Yeah. Suspiciously yeah, yeah, so. So I was just like, did I just write down <laughs> vegan in Fitzroy is what I, <laughs> I, is mean, what I thought for myself. Los Angeles, you know. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's kind of the birthplace of the, the whole thing. Uh, true. Yeah. Do you, do you know Clipping, the hip-hop group Clipping, Alison? No, but I love that as the name of a group. That's yeah, awesome. I reckon you'd love that. I'm here to like them. That's, that's, uh, we, we were chatting about them a few weeks ago. And yeah. Awesome. It's actually, um, yeah, definitely high up on my list at the moment of listening. Hey, I want, this is totally left field, but do you know about the documentary film that's about to come out, Sisters with Transistors? No. Do you know about this? So you got to check this out. It's this awesome, uh, yeah, like the history of, of, of women in electronic music, but it's oh, done right. Yes. And the filmmaker's super sick. Uh, just It's worth me uh, not paraphrasing and you just have a, have a look at it. It's really I cool. I am right now doing so. That's, oh, I'm excited for that. Do, when, do you know when it comes out off the top of your head? Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest, but I saw that in your previous history you were talking about, what's her name, uh, Suzanne Chiachi? Or, yeah, um, Susan, yeah, Chiani. She's absolutely brutalising her name, but, yeah, she she uh, features in this in this as well as, you know, like the those amazing women in Montreal. Oh, this is awesome. Just looking yeah. at it. Through the list, you know, you've got like Clara Rockmore and Daphne Oren and Delia Devonshire. Ah, oh, this is mm-hmm. wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, I just thought you guys should know about that. It's super cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you checked out much of the um, Bukla easel, easel stuff that Susan Chiani does? Uh, not, I mean, not more than just like having having a little listen on YouTube in the background while I've been doing stuff. I, the, oh she's the one that released those those records, right? Like the Bukla yeah, yeah, yeah. albums. She yeah. is like, when I think of Bukla, like she is the person that I think of, which That's is, so cool. yeah, yeah. Um, like there's, there's a um, documentary on the um, concert she did in the loft that she recorded live and it goes mm-hmm. into the loft and it, it talks with a whole heap of electronic producers i can't remember what it's called but i have um, to look that up that sounds awesome i'll find it out but yeah it's it's incredible and the easel is such a interesting piece of equipment too like yeah it's did you I, hear I'm, that story i'm totally like sidetracking us again i know you want to finish up but do you hear that story right. about those people uh who were like taking care of uh i don't know exactly what this was but they were they were cleaning a bunch of buclas and then oh. they got contact high from from cleaning them because of the amount of lsd oh. that was on the platform <laughs> like on on the knobs that's <laughs> amazing it's just like the perfect portrait of an era it's just awesome yeah wow Imagine like cleaning and then having a melt. That would be really fucked up, actually. <laughs> oh <Yeah>. no! <laughs> <laughs> cleaning like buclas, especially like these like yeah. bespoke-looking artisanal pieces of equipment. That's you start uh, yeah. seeing actual bananas instead of the banana plugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my oh gosh. god, I love it. Yep, this was fun, guys. Oh, oh I think, I think we've muted. Ah, uh, get ready for it. Vincent. Yeah. Sorry. This is how we end every podcast. Oh, there you are. With a, with a technical <laughs> error. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just cuts, cuts to static at the end. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
Um, thank you so much, Alison. Thanks again to Alison Wright for that wonderful and seriously inspiring conversation. Please check out her work via her website or through the links in the show notes. Her website again is alisonwright.org. A-L-L-I-S-O-N-W-R-I-G-H-T dot org and you can support her music through Bandcamp. If you enjoy this podcast and our work and want to help us grow, you can donate to us through our coffee account, which is linked from our website. The opening and closing music is composed by Melbourne artist Bribery, who will be joining us in the near future for a chat. The opening music has just been released on the major streaming platforms and is called Made You Look. Check him out on Instagram at This Is Bribery. This has been a Faulty Cat production. <laughs>